my 11th wrestling match I ever had was myself and the late, great Luke Harper versus the Brothers of Destruction, Kane and Undertaker, and met her to Mexico in front of 20,000 people. There the goosebumps go again. <laughs> the gong hits and 20,000 people lose their mind. And I'm like, I'm about to wrestle Undertaker and Kane. Why do you choose to be a wrestler? I was this sheltered, bullied, overweight kid that got picked on and was told by teachers in my grade schools and high school that I was never gonna amount to anything. When you're wrestling in the ring, what energy are you sharing with the crowd? The louder the crowd got, the stronger I was. Mark Henry personally picked me up from the airport, took me all around, showed me a good time, was there for my trial. I owe so much to that man. What was the greatness of breakdown? Just everything. Another person now that I want to know about and the audiences want to know about is Paul Levesque. Is he the new Vince McMahon? No, there's no new Vince McMahon. He's Triple H, he's Paul Levesque, he's his own person. One of the things that I really appreciate when I come to India, 40 million plus people that watch us every week. I have to talk to you about Steve Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your best friend in the locker room? Well... This was the first time that I got to speak with a WWE superstar and I asked him all my genuine fan questions. Just like so many of us, I've had a very long phase in my life where I followed sports entertainment very closely. So if this is the first time you're watching a wrestler from the WWE on a podcast, you're in for something. I've tried catering to the global audience as well. If you enjoy general nerdy wrestling conversations, I tried tapping into some gems for you guys as well. This is an epic conversation with Braun Strowman on the Ranveer Show. Brought to you by Sony Sports Network. If you want to watch Braun Strowman and all the other WWE superstars in action in India, make sure you tune in to the Sony Sports Network. But for now, it's Braun Strowman on PRS with an epic conversation about the WWE. Let's go. Braun Strowman, welcome to India. Thanks for having me here. Uh, I'm just still in awe of just how the welcoming has been since I've got into the country. It's been amazing. The yeah. fans, everyone has been so just unbelievable since I've been here. We love our WWE. <laughs> <laughs> we love wrestling since generations. And, you know, it's like kind of a family activity for us. Like, I swear to God, my relationship with my grandfather got better and thicker because of the WWE. I've heard that's one of the really cool things with WWE. I've heard so many stories of that, of our product bringing families together. And it's, it's such amazing because family is so important and stuff with, with me and things like that. So knowing that you have a bond with your family of what we do, that's awesome. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing great. A little, little tired, you know, I had 19 hours of travel trying to shove all of this into a little tin can to fly <laughs> over here. But no, since I've been here, it's been great. I've got some good workouts in, got to meet a lot of awesome people, ate some unbelievable food, and now we're here. You like Indian food? I do. I like spicy. So I was raised on spicy. Everyone's like, be careful. The food's hot over there. I was like, I know how to eat hot food. <laughs> are, are you familiar with Indian food? Yes, like, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Like you have it back in the States? Yes, yes, yes. There's a really good Indian place in Orlando that I like to visit and stuff like that. I usually get Uber Eats because I don't like going out in public too much. I'm like a hermit sometimes. <laughs> you like being away from like the public eye? I do and I don't. So I, I have this love-hate relationship with it where like I've... 
it took me a long time to understand how to be in public because I grew up in a tiny little town. I was the local mechanic in town to pretty much in a matter of a couple of years being in front of millions of people and everyone knowing my face everywhere I went. So I started to develop a little bit of a social anxiety from it. So it took me a few years to understand how to cope with that. But now like I embrace it, but there's still something about getting out in nature and just peace. Yeah. You're a great guy, man. Like oh, thank you. <laughs> just, you have such positive energy. Uh, life's too short to be negative there's enough negative negativity in this world i try to bring some some, some positivity and some smiles when i'm around how does such a positive guy become an on-screen heel you know it, uh, at the end of the day we all we all have a bad side to us per se we all have that monster locked inside of us and it's an opportunity for me to get it out because there's a you know things that upset you throughout the day and your life that you got to bottle up and deal with well when i'm in that squared circle i get to get rid of it and unfortunately these hands get a hold of some other poor soul and they're on the receiving <laughs> end of it. <laughs> what switches in the ring? So I've been asked that before and honestly, I'm not really sure. So when I was competing in World's Strongest Man, it was kind of the same way. I was quiet, reserved in the back, but when it was time to go out there and go, like I've always been able to flip that switch and just turn it on. So I'm carrying that over because um, in World's Strongest Man, competing in that, that's where I found my confidence in life. I was this sheltered, bullied, overweight kid that got picked on and was told by teachers in my grade schools and high school that I was never going to amount to anything. And, you know, I started to believe that when you hear it over and over and over, those, those actions, those words start to weigh on you. And, you know, I started doing bad things that I shouldn't have done while I was learning as a kid. But when I found the group of guys that I started training with and got involved in strongman, And then I started being successful at, it. I won my very first competition. It started to instill this confidence in me that I'd never had in my entire life because all of a sudden I was good enough. I was winning these contests. I was getting, people were starting to praise me for what I was doing and being able to carry that over onto this humongous platform. Now that is being a WWE superstar. I think that's what it really is. Is just knowing that I still have people to prove wrong. I'm I'm one of those human beings that I dare you to bet against me because I'm going to do everything I can to prove you wrong. I continue to go out there and do that every time I step foot in that squared circle. So uh, in all honesty, it's just I'm living a dream. Yeah, uh, that's what it seems like from the outside. You know, when you're growing up watching wrestling as a kid, like wrestlers are your superheroes in so many ways, which is why when you're being this vulnerable and talking about what you went through, and talking about your confidence issues, which honestly every single guy goes through at least, or I'd even go as far as saying every single human goes through at every point in their life. You have a point where you kind of shed off that lack of self-confidence. But someone would assume that you, Braun Strowman, with your size, your voice, your physique, all that, doesn't have any confidence issues at all. Yeah, you'd be surprised. That's what I said. You can't always judge a book by its cover. You never know what somebody's dealing with and things like that inside. So that's why I convey my message to believe in yourself and you like don't listen to these doubters and these negative people. Find people in your circle that are going to lift you up because life is so short. Why focus on all this negativity when there's so much positivity in the world and just gravitate towards that and push all that other crap out of the way? Yeah, um, little kind of. Stupid question, but this is something I've always wondered. When you're wrestling in the ring, what energy are you sharing with the crowd? Honestly, it's the energy that I'm getting from the crowd. So that's a, the whole thing of being out there. And I found that when I was competing in World's Strongest Man competitions, the louder the crowd got, 
the stronger I was. So I find that as well inside the wrestling ring. The louder that crowd is, the crazier I am, the more willing I am to put my body and my health at risk because I know that they're caught up in the moment and my job is to do exactly that. Okay. Uh, what did the world's strongest man phase change in you other than the obvious physical strength stuff? Uh, physical strength, mental strength. You know, uh, mental strength, I feel like honestly more so than my physical strength, really? which I was... Yeah, I mean, the things I did physically were unbelievable, but being able to break this mental state of I'm not good enough was one of the biggest things that I totally now as, as a, an older man, I'm realizing when I was going through this, like, yes, I was breaking world records and American records and national records and all this stuff and this weightlifting stuff. But really what I hold near and dear to that was being able to turn into the man that I am now today. Which is what? a positive influence or what you said, a superhero, which I never, like, I don't consider myself that, but hearing and seeing from children that are having disabilities or having illnesses and they're going in to have surgeries. And as they're going under anesthesia, they're holding my action figure. They're listening to my theme songs as they're going because they've seen Braun Strowman overcome so much adversity in his wrestling career that if Braun Strowman can survive a car accident, I can cut through this surgery. And that's what, for me and so many of the WWE superstars, that's what we do all this for. Like, people don't understand those 15 minutes that we're in the ring wrestling, that's really the smallest part of what it is to be a WWE superstar. It's these sit-down interviews. It's the make-a-wishes. It's the children hospital visits. It's all the stuff that we do for our fans and that, you know, reciprocates back to us because at the end of the day, people are spending their hard-earned money. They're spending their time and giving their appreciation for what we do. So it's the least that I can do to give up some back. Why do you think India is so drawn to wrestling? Like, what do you make of that? It's awesome. I mean, at the end of the day, it's awesome. I just, the wrestling, there's something special to it. And being like when WWE, we have every walk of life you could ever imagine as far as superstars. So it's a total product that everyone can watch. It's family friendly. Like you just said, your family comes together with it. You find a character that you that's something that's inside of you or something that you aspire to be. And then you gravitate to it. You sink your hooks into it. You invest your emotions into that character. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about the wrestling world in general, a little bit about the behind the scenes stuff. What was your first important conversation with Vince McMahon like about your future? Oh man. So when, like, did, did you give him ideas? Did he give you ideas? What was, that I'll tell you the very first thing that I remember Vince saying to me that stuck with me. And still to this day, he goes, I know you don't know much about what's going on in this ring, but we're going to learn on the road because I see something in you. What, what do you think he saw? I, I don't know. I, my size, my drive, my unwillingness to give up. And I think we have a lot of relations with Vince because backstory, Vince grew up in a small town of North Carolina. Family didn't have a lot. Same thing with my story and things like that. And I think it's something that we almost had a, like a kindling of, of similarities. So he saw something in me and just he believed in me. And he took me to the deep end of the pool and kicked me in the butt and said sink or swim. And 10 years later, I'm still doggy paddling. Okay. Um, you know how you get better with every wrestling match? You get better with every podcast as well. So what improves with podcasting is your observational abilities. Because I've seen so many human beings. I can kind of tell pretty quickly what a human being is made up of. So can I tell you what I believe he saw in you? And I might be totally wrong. But I want to have a shot at it. Uh, if someone interacts with you, it's very clear, very quick that you're a very well-raised guy. 
I don't know if you you're getting one of like yep. like your childhood still has a big influence on you right now. I have now. very my mother and father are very influential in my life. Yeah. My my father is my superhero and my mom is one of the strongest human beings I've ever met. Yeah. Um it comes through the way you interact with everyone, you know, the way you interact with other human beings, like being this guy and I know that you walk around with this little tag of maybe people looking at you as intimidating, but on the inside you're a kid just like the rest of us and that it's really alive man. So uh this is not at all the end of the podcast it seems like something at the end but uh you know when i said that it's great having you in my house it was for hosting bronze stroman like in my house but it was more so about getting to see you firsthand and seeing what a gentle person you are so that openness and you know that niceness is the base of what i think vince mcmahon's or other than like the size the strength the personality and all the sexy stuff <laughs> sexy and rosh come in the same sense <laughs> yeah but your childhood plays a huge role in who you are today man yes, absolutely i'm very i wouldn't be where i am in life without without my mom and dad without a doubt they yes. believed in me for all the crazy stuff i tried to do in my life they were there and they supported me they never once were like why are you doing this the last thing you tried to do you failed they've always been supportive of me and they have full blown dove into whatever i wanted to do in life and then it's a testament to where i am yeah um so there's this question i asked some guys on the show so we can have a conversation as men here and i can ask you about your life or we can have a conversation as boys so the boy in me wants to ask the boy in you why you were a wrestler why do you choose to be a wrestler oh man let's see i mean for in all honesty i mean when i was a child like what adolescent boy watches wrestling and doesn't go that's what i want to be when i grow up i remember watching hulk hogan rip his shirt off and getting in trouble for tearing my shirt off because we weren't financially well off i said i might have four or five shirts at the time and i got in trouble for ripping them off but i didn't care because i was so caught up in that of like larger than life characters with andre the giant and hulk hogan and all these greats that came before me and just seeing that and you know having an opportunity because i never knew how to get involved in the wrestling world where where i was from like i said small town usa there's not a lot going on i mean it's pretty much the same way it was when i left 20 years ago so where am i going with this i just my brain farted for a second i do that sometimes that's a, that's that's another trait of getting hit in the head and for making a living <laughs> um you were talking about why you the boy and you chose wrestling the boy yes So for me a lot of it too got I got away from where I wasn't watching wrestling I got into strongman and strongman at the time thankfully it's getting better about it but it, it wasn't financially feasible I was homeless at the time bouncing around from people's couches because I couldn't have a full-time job because I had to train so much and all this stuff and I can remember struggling and going I really love what I'm doing but I can't live like this and I had become friends with Mark Henry um after I won North America strongest man um and then I went on to win the Arnold Classic and Mark Henry won the very first Arnold Classic ever and he was always there as a judge and he saw something in me because when I competed in World Strongest Man I was more than feet five foot fum pick it up <laughs> set it down and go to the back I was out there Hulk Hogan I was imagining Hulk Hogan when I was a kid ripping my shirt off again <laughs> throwing it in the crowd having 20,000 people go crazy at the Arnold Classic and Mark Henry saw something and he called Miss McMahon he said you need to look at this kid 
and he put his name on the line, bought my plane ticket, flew me down to Florida. Mark Henry personally picked me up from the airport, took me all around, showed me a good time, was there for my tryout. And I owe so much to that man. Like, uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer, you know, there's so many people that, that say they're self-made. I don't believe anyone on this earth is self-made. Somebody has helped you along the way. And it's whether you're humble enough to realize that and appreciate what people have done for you. And that's why I'm so animate about giving back. Because I am not where I am in life without a humongous amount of people helping me along the way. Yeah. Destiny plays a role in, like, life. That's the one truth I figured through the show as well. Yeah, you can't fight faith. Yeah. What did Mark Henry tell you? What's the biggest advice he gave you? God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. Shut up and listen. <laughs> he told you to listen and learn. Yep. Okay. And that's my advice that I pass on now too to the young younger athletes that ask me, hey, what, what did I need to do? I said, you got two ears and one mouth for a reason. Listen twice as much as you talk. As a professional wrestler, at this point, what are you learning? I learn every time. I learned how to sit down and have these interviews because this is something 10 years ago I probably wouldn't have done because I was terrified. But that social anxiety would have had me in here going, I don't know what to do and stuff really? like that. So I've learned not only as, as far as being an athlete in the ring, but I've learned and grown as a businessman on top of it. Like I had so many first in-person in conversations with Vince McMahon. And I learned so much because... If you talk entrepreneur, businessman, he is, he's, all, he's on the Mount Rushmore of them, of what he's done for this company, this industry over the years. And then just, you know, people's attention spans are so short nowadays because there's so much content out there to consume. So as being a WWE superstar, you constantly have to evolve with the times because if you don't, they're going to forget about you. So it's learning some new way of invoking a different emotion, getting a different uh, movement in a ring, stuff like that to constantly keep up with the curve of entertainment and where it's going because it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger every year. So it's finding a way to stay ahead of that curve. Like constant reinvention, constantly challenging, challenging yep. yourself. Yep. Yep. Um, we've had so many athletes on the show, like sports people. And that's the one truth about sports in general, sports, sports, entertainment. I think it's actually cut from the same cloth. There's this whole conversation that people have about sports versus sports entertainment. I'm not even going to get in there because it's already done on too many. Oh, yeah. My funny thing is the people that talk like that come, come get in, just get in the ring with yeah. me for five minutes and we'll, yeah. and we'll see how much this is sport and entertainment. You know how people have figured that out though? Like how the general public has figured it out through podcasts of Joe Rogan and Logan Paul and all these guys who talk to you guys. And now that we get to know your reality through these conversations, and I hope that it's okay for you and you're not feeling anxious while talking to me. Can't believe Braun Strowman would be feeling anxious talking to me. <laughs> but uh, my point is, people have gotten to know about your minds and your hearts through podcasts, and now they understand what sports entertainment actually requires of you. So you're saying that you constantly need to like challenge yourself. Well, that's why you've seen my physique change over the years and my move sets and my monikers and my catchphrases and all that stuff. And you watch all the superstars, the ones that have been doing it for 10 years plus now, they're always reinventing themselves. They're always keeping the ball, the snowball rolling and getting it bigger per se. Right. So it's just figuring out your niche and figuring out how to connect with the audience. Because at the end of the day, that's all it is, is figuring out how to connect with the audience. What's the biggest thing Vince McMahon ever told you? Oh, man. You can, you can give me a bunch if you, there's not one single piece of advice that you want to bring up. Yeah, I can't really narrow it down to one single piece of advice because there's just been so much. Like I just said, having conversations at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning just as he wants to talk. 
and stuff like that and having that relationship and things like that because at the end of the day he was a father figure to me as well because I like I, who like I said the man has done unbelievable things love him hate him however you want you can't deny what he has done for this industry and I for me now like especially appreciating him even more because I know my I still have tons of gas in the tank to go in wrestling but I know there's a window when this is going to end so now with a lot of the stuff that I learned from him on the business side of stuff, it's like, oh, now I'm enjoying trying to find this entrepreneurship because it's something that I can be competitive with still when I know my body one day is going to go, Braun, you can't do this anymore. Got it. Um, so he called you at 2 and 3 a.m. at night something? Oh, he'd call me and wake me. I'd wake up. I'm like, what? yeah, boss, what's up? He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm asleep. So I just got done at the gym and I was like, well, you're crazy. <laughs> you know, so I don't know if you understand the impact of what I'm saying because it's a very Indian thing, but I'll try my best to explain the emotion to you. There's a lot of people in our country. Most of the country doesn't speak English. Okay. I don't know what the exact stats are, but I would go as far as saying 80% of the country is not fluent in English at least. But many of them watch wrestling. Everyone understands wrestling. And everyone inherently has respect for Vince McMahon. Even though they may not be able to understand exactly what he's saying, you can see the person's body language. You can see the person's emotion. That's how much Vince is also respected in this country. That's how much he comes up in conversation, which is why I'm asking you so much about him. And generally, he's a big part of the podcasting world. Everyone wants to know about him because there is inherent respect for everything that he's done. So uh, my reading from based on whatever I've heard on podcasts and generally what I've seen growing up, is that his head is always sticking, his head's always running when it comes to wrestling ideas. Yep. And he's trying to help you guys with reinvention as well. Because that's the truth about business as well. You've got to keep reinventing. Yes, but he's got all these creative angles to reinvent within, which is all of you guys, the superheroes. Yeah. Well, you have to also to understand how many other entities of sport, entertainment, whatever, have have taken Vince's ideas, like take American football, for example. You see the cameras that fly by on the wires and all that stuff. That was Vince. So, so many people have taken his ideas that he, what he's done with WWE and they figured out other ways to use it in the world. And, it, and it's like I said, it speaks for himself. Like you said, you, whether you know what he's saying or not, you believe by his mannerism because when he walks into a room, like he has a presence and you can feel it. Yeah. What is the presence? It's just, it's Vince McMahon. I don't know how else <laughs> to explain it. He is Vince McMahon. Like the walk. And it's, it's just it. It's just... Yeah, I mean, look at Conor McGregor mimicking him. I mean, it's just all that stuff. I mean, he is iconic and, you know, so many people that are going to talk about everything that he's done forever. Who's your best friend in the locker room? Bray. But, um, man, in all honesty, everyone. The locker room is such a special place. Uh, and right now, too, the camaraderie in there is unmatched. Like, I've heard horror stories in the past with – nasty stuff that guys did to each other because at the end of the day you know there's everybody's fighting for that that spot and it's so neat to know that this locker room now everybody instead of fighting over that one spot that everybody wants everyone's fighting to, for the company because they know if the company's doing well that we're all going to be doing well what was the greatness of Bray? everything just everything everything yeah. about him he's uh he was great yeah what stuck out about him as a friend uh how he was with people. Um, he never met a stranger. He was kind to everyone. He was a family man. Like more so what people saw on the screen was what I saw behind the scenes because we spent, well, we spent more time together than we do with our own families. So just being able to learn from that man and him, like I didn't have like 
when I moved to Florida and started wrestling for WWE, like I, I made more money than I ever made in my life, but it was a totally different standard of living. So living in a one bedroom apartment with a car, with insurance and all this stuff, like I'm living still barely surviving week to week. And when I got caught up on the main roster, I didn't have enough money to pay for my hotel rooms or one on the road. So for like the first month, Bray paid for everything for me. He bought me food. He paid for my hotel rooms, all that stuff. And then I drove him around everywhere and I learned from him. And it's just like, same thing. Like I talked about, there's self-made. I don't believe in that because then again, another person that reached out their hand to help me get ahead in life. And especially in like a, you know, that industry where everybody's fighting for that spot. He didn't have to do that. Selfless guy. Yes. Okay. And and a brother's brother. He was the brotherest of brothers. <laughs> <laughs> As a professional, what was his greatness? Just his mind. Like uh, to see him go in and out of these characters on the microphone, changing his verbiage, his facial expressions. What he was just, oh man, like it was it was just unreal the stuff that we would talk about and just his the way he ticked he just was different in the most amazing special ways yeah um you know as a fan what i noticed about him and i watched wrestling all my life it was his presence he would take over the camera like through the screen but i'm sure then in the ring he would also take over the ring's energy correct me if i'm wrong you no, would know you're right on right on like yeah. you would know bray wyatt was there and i think it can be easy for some wrestlers to fade away into the background during matches with him he was always there am i right in yeah he always that's what i said he knew his character he knew his craft and he knew how to connect with the audience with every different character that he went through with the puppets with everything he found a way to connect with the audience and it spoke volumes for it. You, I was, I, yeah, wrestled a guy together with, against everything else. And you look at every hair stand oh, thinking man. about that because he, he was special. I appreciate you opening up like this, man. Yeah. It's difficult to talk about a brother. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, uh, I feel like it takes more of a man to show his emotions than to bottle it up. And I have no problem. Like, being sad, being all of it. And it's not even sad. Like when I cry thinking about Bray, it's because I love him and I miss yeah. him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We all respect that as men, yo, man. Like yeah. honestly, it takes a lot to be this vulnerable on screen. And there's just universal love for Bray Wyatt. You're just a part of that universal love, yeah. my brother. Was, Though you're that's what said. I I wish I would have got more than eight years with him. But I know I'll meet him again one day. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, I'd lost my granddad last year. And I had to Sorry. shoot a podcast. No, thank you, bro. Uh, I had to shoot a podcast three days after that. Shot it with one of my idols. Uh, and I told him this. Usually I'm kind of funny on the show. I told him, I'm sorry, I'm not able to be funny right now because I just lost my granddad. And he said that, you know, the beautiful thing about losing someone is that now you don't have to constantly tell your close ones what you're doing and where you are because they're already with you. Yeah. And they know everything and they're seeing you from upstairs rather than from another part of the city or another part yeah. of the world. Yeah, very true. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's, yeah, it's neat because like, I can feel them at times. Like, and things just happen and I go, I can't help but smile because I'm like, oh, that was Bray. Like literally, I was just, just, just recently, I was visiting down a friend in Boca Grande, Florida, because I came home from my house in Wisconsin. It was like nine degrees and snow. And I was like, I need some sunshine. I need to go to the beach. And I was sitting on the beach watching the sunset. And I started thinking about him. The next day when I went to go to the beach, I was walking up and down the beach. And I looked up and there was a buzzard flying around above me. <laughs> Whether I smelled or whatever, I stunk. And that was why he was there to eat me. But no, I had to truly believe because that was our saying, follow the buzzards. And I just looked up and I just had to kind of nod and say, hey, thanks. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying this as a brother to you. 
don't you think that now it's you're going to be taking forward that legacy oh absolutely that's why i i i'm coming back with a vengeance yeah. when the monster comes back watch out yeah how you doing bro doing great yeah every day better pushing forward i uh, just got cleared to start lifting weights again since i had my surgery and stuff like that so one day at a time, uh, WWE took unbelievable care of me. They sent me to Dr. Cordova at the world-famous Andrews Medical Center in Birmingham, Alabama. He's the number one surgeon in the world for this procedure. Was in great hands with that. He's so happy with where I am in my progress and stuff. So putting the size back on. And you're looking great. Thank you. I'm a little fluffy. but No, you know. no, you're looking great. You're looking great. Don't worry about it. But definitely. So, yeah, I just got cleared like two and a half weeks ago to fully start lifting weights again. I'm still on uh, no, like, uh, contact to the head, no taking bumps and stuff like that. So it's still going to be another month or two before we start easing back into the ring. But when it's time to go, we're going. Yeah, It's going to be a really good phase. Yes, sir. 100%. Are you still in pain? No. Not at all? Full range of motion back and stuff like that. Like, honestly, my neck feels better than before I had the surgery. Usually it would get caught and I would have to do weird things to get it to kind of pop and move and stuff like that. And I had some weird feeling in my fingers. Like, like I said, I'm so unbelievably blessed because it was really scary. It was a pretty, it was a milder version of the same thing that happened to Stone Cold that ended his career. So I had stenosis in the spine that I didn't know about him on my C4 and 5 in my neck and I got hit. And my head went back and it pinched my spine. It felt like lightning shot out of both my arms and my arms went limp. So you can see on the match with, uh, with uh, it was uh, against Otis. Otis was when it happened. And so I was dealing with some stuff and he squashed me in the corner and my arms go limp. And you can see me like freak look out. And I kind of like look at my hands and I get through and finish the match. But I take off running and my balance was really off. So we get in the back and I was like, hey, something's going on. Like, I felt, like I've had stingers before is what we would call when I would play football. When you kind of tweak it, it would boom that quick little flash of like electricity. But I'd never felt like anything like this before. And then for 10 days after I had it, I had this burning, tingling, itching sensation going down while we're in this gray area of what's going on. So I knew which, I'm close with Steve, which is such a blessing. I mean, yeah, talk about my idols and stuff like that when I was a teenage kid to being close friends with him, being able to call him and go, hey, so this happened. And I know you went through some of this stuff. So having him talk to me and like kind of ease my mind of like, I don't know what's going on. Like I'm freaking out. Am I going to? Am I ever going to wrestle again? Am I ever going to have a normal life again? What's going to happen? And things like that. So having him talk to me and stuff like that and then everybody at work and stuff like that, and Triple H being so supportive because, like, I'm so hard-headed. I'm like, how can I get this fixed as fast as I can because I want to be right back in this ring doing what I do. And he goes, look, Adam. And I'm breaking character, but he goes, look, Adam. 15 years from now, what you're doing in life is more important than what we're doing right now. Get fixed and we'll figure it out when it's time to figure it out. And that meant so much to me because like, that's, you know, at the end of the day, like it's scary. Like things happen and like, okay, like, am I done? Or is, are they going to give up on me and things like that? But knowing that I have this support system with WWE because it's such a family there that I felt so confident in doing this. And I'm so happy that we've got it done. And like I said, coming out of this, having no issues with anything, like it truly is like a blessing. Yeah. I constantly want to respond to you with things that sound like the end of the podcast, but it's not the end of the podcast. <laughs> so my response to you is, again, something Indian. We have a saying in India, some guys are khuda ke bande, which means children of God. So God always takes care of some people. And that's there with you a lot. Well, yeah, I definitely put a lot, uh, lots of praying went into this and asking. And yeah, so uh, that's what they say when you're, 
Yeah. Have faith. Magical things happen. Was this the most intense injury you ever got? So I've been, I've had quite a few. So a lot of people don't know, like I've dealt with uh, atrophy in my left leg since I debuted on TV. I had a lower back injury that kind of lingered in from straw man from doing all the crazy deadlifting and stuff. But I ruptured my L5S1 disc in my lower back while I was still in developmental in the beginning of January of 2015. And I had to have a micro emergency microdiscectomy because my whole left leg was completely paralyzed. What is that? So they went in my back. Um, my low back disc ruptured and it cut and was pinching into my sciatic nerve. So it completely paralyzed this leg. At the time, the girl that I was dating, bless her soul, took care of me, rolled me through the uh, airport in a wheelchair. WWE emergency flew me out on like a Saturday morning at a five o'clock uh, surgery Sunday morning. Um, after being rolled through the hospital, everything in a wheelchair, an hour and a half after I came to, I was able to stand up and walk to my room. But I never, I, I only got about 85% of this leg back. So like my calf doesn't work on this leg. I have atrophy in my glute and some stuff. And that's why this leg's like an inch and a half smaller around than this one. Um, so yeah, dealing with that, got back with that, got cleared. Like no one's ever recovered from this. I was back in the ring in like three and a half months, which everyone was like, how is this guy doing this? But it's just, I don't know. I just... I just do and I, I want and I refuse to let stuff hold me back whether I should listen to myself or listen to other people I just like you know what I'm gonna prove you wrong and got back got back in the ring got cleared and was doing I was the rosebud uh, the gladiator with Adam Rose and Vince saw me and goes what is this guy doing this for so I ended up having a dark match in NXT he saw what he liked um and then he called me up to be part of the Wyatt family i had five wrestling matches my entire life when i debuted on tv Damn. so yeah that's what i said the, the testament to vince seeing something in me and believing in me and taking a shot that's what i said man i truly oh, blessed has it ever functionally affected you oh yeah that's why you see if you watch me walk around and stuff like that i've got a limp and things like that like my cousins always like laugh because like i'll stay, spend time with them when i was building my place in wisconsin i would stay at their house and after wrestling for the weekend i'd get up to come out when the morning they're like i don't know how you do what you do on tv you could barely walk and stuff like that because of the soreness and everything but like I said, it all goes back to that being able to flip that switch on. When I hear my music and I walk through that curtain and 30,000 people go crazy, I'm invincible. I don't feel any of this pain. I don't know that my leg's messed up. I don't know that my back's messed up. Nothing. Because I, when I'm out there, I literally, that feeling makes me feel like the Incredible Hulk. That's it, why, yeah, that's my <laughs> alter ego. Yeah. Is any of Adam present in front of the 30,000 people? Oh, yeah. So Adam is, Braun is just Adam cranked to. It's like 13. <laughs> There's a lot of that sort of said, like all that, that negativity that I dealt with as a child that I bottled up. That's what I said. I feel like everyone has this, everyone has a monster inside of them. And it's whether you know how to control that monster. When I was younger, I was not necessarily the greatest at it. And it got me in trouble with doing some stupid stuff. But as I learned and I got older and I was able to harness that and figure out how to control that rage that I have inside of me and then being able to turn that switch on and portray it into a character and make people believe that what I'm doing is is violent or is angry and all this stuff so it's just it, that's all in that talking about learning and evolving as a superstar is figuring out how to take your human emotions of what you dealt with in life then turn it into something that your character can do so you can invoke emotion out of the crowd
Oh, I have to talk to you about Steve Austin. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> <laughs> I think he has been the biggest icon in wrestling for India, and I'll tell you why. It's him uh, and John Cena up till this point. I I don't think uh, wrestling was that mainstream in India during Hulk Hogan's time, and it became mainstream in the Attitude Era. So everyone's first wrestler that they saw was Steve Austin. At least for my like, I'm I'm ninety uh ninety three born. So from everyone my age, it was Steve Austin. Um, what's he like as a guy? Um, he's awesome. Like he is same thing with Steve. Like Stone Cold is Steve. with the volume cranked <laughs> all the way up. He's a beer drinking SOB country boy like that's what I said that's why we get along so well. It's just because we're just we're rednecks and I'm proud of it. <laughs> But this yeah, just a great guy always I mean picks up the phone like instantly when talking if I want to talk to him about character stuff. And like just to the test of what the uh, unbelievable guy, one of my best friends in Florida, Scott. He's 40 years old. He has Down syndrome. He's a multiple-time gold medalist in the Special Olympics. And I was, I came home and I surprised him and showed him because he was bowling in the regionals uh, to move on to the next round. And we were talking, and, he, and I could tell he was a little off and he was having a bad day. And we got on the topic, and he started talking about Stone Cold. And I was like, Hang on a second. And I FaceTimed Steve right then on the spot, and he answered the phone and gave my best buddy a pep talk, and to see his like demeanor change, and like just that speaks for the type of guy that he is to go out of it. He didn't have to answer his phone in a random Tuesday at three o'clock in the afternoon and spend ten minutes talking on a phone to someone he's never met. So like just like I said, the testament of what an unbelievable human being he is outside of the ring and what he did in the ring and what he continues to do for our inter- industry is just yeah he's 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 awesome. Have you ever seen him showing the finger to anyone? Oh yeah, he's done it to me many times. That's what, one of my coolest memories of like and stuff that I like to brag about. Like I said, all this stuff like talking full circle how this all works is like. I can remember watching because I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling when I was younger and stuff like that. So I had to watch in my friend's house, and I can remember kicking my friends in the <laughs> ding dongs and giving them stunners <laughs> in the high, hallways of high school and stuff like that. To at one point a couple of years ago, I'm chugging beers in the middle of Madison Square Garden in the main event of Monday Night Raw with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, what is this life I'm living? <laughs> like, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to get pinched and wake up and be like, "Oh man, that was a cool dream. I want to go back to sleep." <laughs> Man, I I can't imagine what it's like being shown a finger by Stone Cold. It, it probably feels nice. It does. It's, it's, it's warm and it's like it's almost like a, a hug. Thank you for validating my childhood, Steve. That's, that's what it would probably feel like. Uh, do it again, Steve. Like, but what what's he like as a guy to hang out with in terms of? I'm something tells me. He's extremely motivational as a guy. Well, first and foremost, he's a good brother. I mean, that's what it is, and and very like I said, he's been through a lot of stuff in his career. You've seen the ups and downs of what it took to get to where he was of Stone Cold with the Ringmaster and all these other things that so many of us have done ups and downs in our careers. But when you find that it, and you gravitate to it, and you put all of your every bit of your ounce of being and fiber and love into it. It turns into something magical, and that's exactly what he did. And it's just like I said, he when he comes around, like he commands attention because, like, you can't deny he's one of the greatest to ever do it. And his mind is so amazing for the business to be able to sit down and pick his brain. And that all falls into that God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. 
So I just said, anytime I have a, the opportunity to sit around and listen and pick his brain to learn more about this business, it, it's it's an unbelievable opportunity. Mm, uh, I'm just asking you all my own fan questions, honestly. <laughs> here, I also represent a big chunk of how India sees wrestling because you're our first WWE podcast. So I'm having so much fun speaking with you. Is there anything that you pick up from Rey Mysterio as a wrestler? Because you guys are so different physically. But I'm sure there's some aspect of him as a wrestler that you learn from. Oh, yeah. So, you like, learning from all that because, like, when you're working with these high flyers and these aerial guys, like, people don't understand what it takes on the other end of being the base to make sure that these guys, like, take Logan Paul, for example, kudos to him at the match he just had with Ray in Saudi Arabia. He was a little bit out of position for that moonsault that Ray hit off the thing, but he had the whereabouts to catch him and save him because if not, it could have broke his neck. So knowing that, you know, we all – have to do this together. None of this happens with one person and we're taking each other's lives into our hands out there. So being able to learn and watch him and then, you know, gravitating that working with Ricochet because Ricochet works a lot of similar style like that is knowing that because you have to be well-rounded at everything. You can't just be one-sided. You have to be versatile to be a WWE superstar. Otherwise you're going to end up in the shuffle and you're not going to make it. So being able to same thing, Ray, another one, probably, probably the nicest human being this business has ever had in it. Like I've never heard a negative thing about Ray. He's a drop of a ray of sunshine. When he walks into the room, you can't help but smile. He's so respectful, goes out of his way to say hi to everyone and stuff like that. And he doesn't have to do that. He's Ray freaking Mysterio. So like for what he's done for the business, same thing. Like it's just, it's so cool because I've watched these guys from when I was a teenager to now being able to share a locker room with them. And it's, it's just, like I said, it's, Half the time, I don't believe this is real. Who's that jumping out the sky? <laughs> <laughs> Throwback. <laughs> that's that's how we... And then I think after that was... Booyaka, booyaka. Uh, you know, with wrestling fans, um, often there'd be many matches which you probably won't pay complete attention to, but if it was Rey Mysterio wrestling, you'd pay attention to like every move that's happening. Because you never knew what he was going to do because some of the, st- like the stuff that he does is, is borderline unbelievable. It's like, how? wait a second, that's not humanly possible. So it's neat. That's what I said. It's just like I said, he is iconic. Like People will talk about him for as long as this entertainment entity that WWE is exists. And then even on, even on that, he's cemented himself in, in history. Uh, one layer deep, um, what does it take to be a high flyer? Like physically, what does it take? I, I couldn't tell you that. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, less body mass than me. I don't know. Um, it, yeah. We're all wired differently. Like, let's be for real. To go out there four days a week, get slammed on the ground, never sleep, travel all over the world. Like you're, I, I say everywhere, like WWE superstars are just wired a little, little bit differently. And it's, that's what I said, talking about being able to work with Ricochet and seeing him because right now there's nobody can do what he can do. Like I said, I love Ray to death, but Ray's getting up there like me in age and stuff like that. And it happens to all of us. But what Ricochet's capable of doing, like he doesn't even half the time showcase what he's capable of. And it's just unbelievable. That's what I said, like working with him, the, the synergy that we had with him being the aerial high flyer and all the crazy acrobatic stuff with my brute force and sheer strength and stuff like that, like it was just a match made in heaven. And that's why the fans were getting so behind it and started, we were really starting to cook and then, you know, things happened. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that phase where Kane and RVD were oh, yeah. attacking. Yeah, or even Kane and Daniel Bryan, stuff oh, yeah. like that. 
it's it's that's always worked because there's something to that. One is the, the size contrast. It was like take a team little big when I did uh, the mix match challenge with yeah. Alexa Bliss. There's something to seeing this and this standing yeah. next to it. it. It makes for entertainment. It's appealing to the eyes and and, uh, and stuff like that. So that's it's just. Yeah, at the end of the day, man, we're like I travel around the world and I play fight with my friends in our underwear. <laughs> Best job in the world. It is. It absolutely is. Okay. Oh uh, man. Um, I'm. I mean, it's very obvious that core strength is the biggest physical asset that a wrestler needs from an athletic perspective. But what else other than core strength? Stamina. Stamina, mental whereabouts, ring awareness. There's so much that goes in. There's so many moving parts and like knowing where the cameras are going to be, all that stuff. Being able to remember a 5,000 word paper that they hand you 15 minutes ago. Memorize this is what you're saying on camera tonight. So there's so many aspects of that, like being on for Monday Night Raw, three-hour live production. There are no safety nets. There are no, oops, sorry, let me redo that. So you got to be able to work and improv and learn on the fly and continue to do that. And that's why when you look at the landscape of what WWE is, you, you can understand why certain people are in certain positions. Like take the Miz, for example, you can shove him into anything and he's going to make it happen because he's that good at what he does. He knows his character. He's, he's capable, physical in the ring. His athletic ability is unbelievable. And he's great on the microphone. I've seen that guy memorize scripts in like five minutes and go out there and hit it like word for word. And I'm like, man, I can't do that. So it's just, that's what I said. It, everybody has their own reason, their own niche, why they're there. Is it intimidating to talk in front of that big a crowd? It used to be. Now it's like I have fun with it. Stuff <laughs> like that. Because I'm lucky it got to the point where like I get bullet points. They're like, okay, you need to get this across, this across, and this across. Go. So with me, like you can, you can tell or in my earlier career when I was having to do full scripted promos and you could tell that because it'd be more like, oh, I'm trying to remember what I'm saying instead of like, all right, I need to get this point across, this point across and fill in the rest and go. That was like I did a movie with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley back in 2018 and watching those guys ad lib throughout the thing and you just see the director in the background just keep rolling keep rolling because that's where all that magic that gold happens of that impromptu stuff that's coming out that's the whole thing behind my catchphrase when get these hands mm. was a random thing that happened <laughs> uh, i got radioed on television so like they said hey bump heath slater roll out of the ring or excuse me bump rhino roll out of the ring and cut a promo and i'm like about what and they're <laughs> like they just said cut a promo I was like, okay. And I was like, blah, blah, blah. And then Heath was back and forth running around. And that's where I was like, look, you cheerleader, you can either stand on the floor and shut your mouth or you can get in this ring and get these hands like your partner. And I get to the back and get these hands is trending. And then it went on to be the number one piece of merchandise seller for the year. Yeah. And so it's just catching lightning in a bottle. You yeah. never know what's going to get over. Another part of your destiny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this is just, there's so much destiny at play as you're talking about your life. Um, again, another person now that I want to know about and the audiences want to know about is Paul Levesque. Oh, H, <laughs> boss. Like I said, speaking on what we talked about earlier with him, putting my health first and foremost, he's unbelievable. He cares. He's, he's, he's great. I mean, look at his, his lineage that he left in the ring and now what he's doing moving forward, carrying the company after the merger with TKO and all this stuff, like, 
our products is hotter, hotter than it's ever yeah. been. We're selling out everywhere we go. We're, we're breaking. Like I broke a record drawing 3.7 million live eyes. It's one of the, the most viewed segments in the last 15 years and stuff like that. So that it speaks for the testament. I mean, look at what's going on in the landscape now. H is in the cook in the kitchen. He's cooking. I mean, with CM Punk coming back and all the controversy behind that, everything else going on, like, the man's a genius and it's just continues, like I said, to push forward that envelope of always adapting and being, and being in that entertainment space. Cause when you talk entertainment, who does it better than us? Is he the new Vince McMahon? There's no new Vince McMahon. He's triple H. He's Paul Beck. He's his own person. But what's, what's common between the two and what's different between their love and passion for the, this business. That's the biggest thing that I see the common between them. And then everybody's, you know, they have different flavors. I, I tell, I tell everybody like wrestling is like ice cream. It's figuring out what flavor you like. What flavor do you like? Chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> In wrestling terms. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I, I like me. I like my character. I mean, that's what I said. People always ask, well, who do you watch? Who do you like want to like mimic and this and that? I said, I, I, I watch things here and there to learn some moves, but I, I don't want to be anyone else. I don't want to be the next Undertaker. I don't want to be the next Kane. I want to be the first Braun Strowman. You are the first Braun Strowman. Um, what do you think is your biggest advantage other than your size? My sheer will to never give up that prove people wrong and that I almost carried as a chip on my shoulder because all those people that told me I was never going to be good enough. I go, eh, how do you like me now? <laughs> do you believe that you're done? Like no, being, no. you still have more to prove. I still have more to prove whether it's in the wrestling ring, it's in the business world motivational speaking i'll never stop working i don't know how to sit around and do nothing i go crazy i have to be doing something and i know i was given a gift with my sheer stature and now realizing with my heart and my mind and my passion for life like i there's so much more i have to offer this world you know the one thing i'm finding weird about talking to you is we had ronnie coleman on the show yesterday The bodybuilder? Oh, Ronnie's, uh, yeah. I, Ronnie's another idol of mine. I've done a lot of stuff and been around Ronnie many times. Yeah. So just, you're so similar in so many ways. Both very pure on the inside. Inner child is completely alive. Uh, you'll have this whole powerlifting and strength-based background. Uh, you'll have a football background, both of you. And that, then you'll use that base to go and conquer another world. He did it with bodybuilding and you're doing it with wrestling. Um, do you think this multidisciplinary thing actually pays off a lot in wrestling for you? Like a lot. I mean, everything takes to be successful at anything. I feel like you have to have discipline. If you don't have discipline, then, then what are you doing? No, I, I meant like, do you think the football is also paying off in the wrestling? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you, you look at so many guys that have come that are like here now, stuff like that, Baron Corbin, guys like that and stuff that played in the NFL and things like that. Like you, there's no arguing like to be a that high level of a football player. You are an unbelievable athlete and stuff like that. And the physicality of it and the strength that's involved and the stamina that's involved, like it goes hand in hand with it and stuff like that. And then it's being able to figure out how to articulate that into being an entertainer. Yeah. Uh, I think I was seeing a podcast featuring the big show, if I'm not mistaken. And he spoke about how John Cena and Kane were the two strongest guys he worked with. And his reason for saying that was because he said that most people assume strength is when you just lift someone. But in our industry, uh, strength is about how stable you can keep someone on your shoulders because you have to keep the person safe as well. 
Uh, would you agree? Uh, oh, a- absolutely. Yeah. Cena and Kane are unbelievably strong. I mean, the big E is one of the strongest human beings to ever do it. I mean, Mark Henry, myself, there's been so many guys come along the way that are, yeah. And that's what I was talking about. Like it was talking about with Ray Mysterio being that base, being able to be strong, catching a guy out of midair, knowing that you're not going to drop him on his head and stuff like that. And like I said, you've seen multiple times me hoisting big show up on my shoulder where I, I literally picked him up, threw him over the top rope out of the ring and stuff. And for a guy, that size to let some green kid take his life into his hands like that speaks for him as well because i learned so much from him i call big show dad he's my <laughs> wrestling dad kane and mark henry are my uncles and uh undertaker's my grandpa <laughs> so that was with me coming into the business i was so fortunate at the time because those they're my those are my that's my mount rushmore of wrestling mm. those four right there the four best big men in, in my opinion to do it so when i'm coming into the business is there phasing out and stuff to be able to be underneath that learning tree and have them pass down this knowledge to me. And now with me being able to do it, like with the giant Omos and stuff like that, and some of these other bigger kids that are coming up from NXT, because that's how this business works. You pass the knowledge on because one day you can't do this anymore. Why take everything that you learn from somebody else with you? Pass it on to the next generation so we can keep what we do and what we love going, which is WWE. Chocolate learns from chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what it is, right? Like you have to ask the bigger guys about their personal challenges about yep. being a bigger guy. Yep. That's what I'm assuming. Yep. What if those big guys tell you? Just... Like I said, finding, they just, not as much as telling me, but helping me when I did something like trust me. I definitely knew when I did something wrong because they were waiting on me when I come through the curtain to yell at me, what the fuck are you doing that for out there? But they were also there, hey, that looked good. That was, yeah, do that, can keep that move, throw that away and stuff like that. So like, funny story, like my 11th wrestling match I ever had was myself and the late, great Luke Harper versus the Brothers of Destruction, Kane and Undertaker and met her to Mexico in front of 20,000 people. And they didn't talk to me, didn't say a word, anything. And I'm walking out there and, I, and the gong hits and there, there's the goosebumps go again. <laughs> the gong hits and 20,000 people lose their mind. And I'm like, I'm about to wrestle the Undertaker and Kane. And it was just, wow. And, and then, like I said, and to be able to do the things that I've done with them and what they've passed on to me and stuff, it's just... It all falls into that stuff. Like I said, like I still don't feel like this is a reality. You're living the dream of yeah. a million teenage guys <laughs> really? from all yeah. over the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, we used to play the PlayStation video games. Smackdown, shut your mouth. Oh. <laughs> Smackdown, here comes the pain and all. Uh, we would make characters who looked like you. <laughs> like a big guy on a beard who would then compete against Kane and the Undertaker. So I can't imagine what your reality is like. Oh, that's what I said. I mean, like seeing myself come to life in a video game and these action figures and stuff like that and like Funko Pops and all the different apps and posters and pictures and T-shirts and you name it. People getting tattoos of my face on their bodies. I'm like, (laughs) how is this? Like, yeah, it's just it's so unbelievable. Like I said, to be immortalized in a piece of plastic and like jack ripped abs all this stuff from this fat little kid that was told he was never going to do anything which is one of my favorite things in the story i like to tell a teacher that told me i was never going to amount to anything my first action figure when i got it i signed it to her and i said thanks for everything and i mailed it to the school wow. <laughs> did she respond uh, no i never heard anything back but i'm sure she got it damn <laughs> damn oh uh dude just this is like 
this has been an incredible conversation honestly uh is there anything you wish to talk about to the indian fans i feel like we're covering you're you're doing a great job interviewing me okay i'm glad it's it's going all right for you awesome. right? i'd let you know if it wasn't have you had bad oh yeah like what what happens uh, people with these loaded questions and stuff like that just stuff things happen you know not everybody has their your best interest in for them so it's very nice like i said some people do the clickbait stuff with these podcasts and things like that but it's always fun. Like I said, even the even the clickbait stuff, I, I always have really cheeky answers for those. Sometimes I get in trouble on the internet, but you know what? If you're stirring the pot and people are talking about you, it means you're doing something right. But, I mean, why would someone want to piss you off? Yeah. <laughs> Mike Tyson said it best, and the one thing, people are too comfortable talking shit on the internet and not getting punched in the face for it. Yeah. That's fair. why. <laughs> I mean, my whole angle with this show is, Brown, what if you and me never meet again in life? You're not going to remember what I said to you, what I asked you. You're going to remember how you felt in this interaction. That's all you're going to remember yeah. about this. I don't want to leave you feeling bad. No, especially, absolutely. I mean, in India, we have a saying. It says, Atiti Deva Bhava, which means my guest is my God. So I'm not just hosting you as a podcast host here. You're in my country. And I'm going to like ensure that like your your little toe is comfortable <laughs> like all with, with, this, with this paint that i need to get off of here so i saw you peeping at my toes and i was like why is he got all this half painted toe so i went with my buddy that has down syndrome we got pedicures and he wanted me to get my toes oh, no judgments man so. <laughs> you do you do you but no to, to talk about what you just said about the welcoming and how you treat me because i'm in your country and your home that's one of the things that i really appreciate when i come to india so i yeah i'll say this about the fans here and the people here Everyone is so nice and courteous and goes out of their way to make sure everything that I'm doing is set right and is okay. And it's such a nice breath of fresh air because certain places in the world, they aren't like that. And everyone is so nice and so appreciative. And that's why I love coming over here because at the end of the day, like with where I'm at right now and why I'm here is because this is a, a thank you to the fans and the support of the 40 million plus people that watch us every week. I came over here to say thank you. I came over here to meet with the fans, to engage with you, to engage with Sony, with all of our partners and stuff like that as a thank you for how amazing the fans are here and stuff like that. So uh, I want to tip my hat and namaste India for always <laughs> taking unbelievable care of myself and all the other WWE superstars. Yeah, we have PR for you. PR means love. <laughs> <laughs> like there's a lot of love for you. Honestly, and I'm not just saying. No, that. I no, I, I I see it. I believe it. I see it. I just saw it earlier. We just did a meet and greet with what two, three hundred people, and just seeing the and the big boss of the radio station coming over and going, "Thank you so much. Look how happy everyone is." Yeah, like, that means a lot to me. Yeah, as much as I'm this big scary monster, like deep down inside, like I'm passionate. I care. Like that's the cool thing, and I and I say everyone. That's what makes humans uh, different than animals. When we work together as a unit, as human beings, look at what we can we're capable of. Yeah, 100%. Um, so I'll, I'll be transparent with you about something. You know, I feel like through one's 20s, they kind of get caught up with life. It just, it happens to people all over the world because you're trying to figure out your life. Yeah. So many guys my age got out of a bunch of their childhood passions. For me, it was a lot of sports. It was sports entertainment as well. And I've started getting back into wrestling again. So a lot of the guys my age are very pumped about CM Punk's return. 
Uh, what's the environment in the dressing room like? I don't know. So I haven't been there to see any of it yet. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm all about business. And if he's drawing eyes and he's selling tickets, that's great. Because if the company's doing great, we're all doing great. I've heard mixed reviews on him and certain things like that. But I'm a person that judges a character by how I'm treated by him. So I'll see you when I meet him. And he can get these hands just like anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, what have you heard about CM Punk in the dressing room over the years? Just there's been certain things that you've, I mean, you read the dirt sheets and this and that. So I don't know what's true about it, that he's hard to be around and yada 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 like i said i don't know i've never personally met the guy i'm, I'm honestly looking forward to meeting him so that's what i said i'll see when i get to meet him you know if you play football if you see another footballer on television you can tell a lot more about his game than the average person who's never played football so as a wrestler what can you tell about the wrestler cm punk what's special about him i mean he's always been canny on the microphone in my opinion he's very good at his craft in the ring he's, he's well oiled as far as a wrestler and stuff like that so like I said, we'll have to see how it goes this go around. Okay. All right. Uh, and one last question for you in today's episode. What do you think of the great Kali? He's gigantic. <laughs> one, of the, one of the largest human beings that I've ever seen. When I, uh, I've only been like had the opportunity to be in the ring with him once. And it was at the Greatest Royal Rumble. And he hit me with that big chop in the head and just about knocked me loopy, but not loopy enough to pick his giant butt up and dump him over the top <laughs> rope like I did with the other 49 guys in that match. <laughs> What's it like competing in a Royal Rumble? Just it's, generally. It's chaotic. And I, and I always feel like anytime I'm in these multi-man matches, everyone gangs up on me. Which, I mean, let's be real, why wouldn't you? Let's get rid of the biggest, strongest, baddest SOB out here. But it don't always work out that way for everybody. How do you deal with all that chaos going around? I just start swinging. <laughs> <laughs> I tell everybody, watch your lips. And get these hands. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what goes on in your head as a professional? It's just a lot. So like I said, as far as like for me, like uh, breaking the wall and stuff like that. For me, I really like knowing everything that's going on in the match. Like, I'm kind of one of those guys that dictates and makes sure matches are flowing how they want to be. So I like knowing everything that's going on. So when you got 30 other people in there and you're worried about what you're doing, you're worried about what everyone else is doing. Because at the end of the day, like, I'm so ring aware of what's going on. One, because I'm looking out for my health. I'm looking out for other people's health. Because when you got 30 guys in the ring and just chaos and there's fist and feet and everything flying everywhere, things happen. So being able to kind of orchestrate and see what's going on and kind of dictate, not calling myself like a ring general or anything like that, because Lord knows like 90% of the guys and girls that I work with have wrestled way longer than I have. But I've wrestled at this high level with WWE and I've only done WWE. So knowing our style of storytelling and things like that, being able to know the whereabouts of what's going on, it just helps the matches flow and making sure like we're catching things on camera angles. So there's nothing worse than doing some big crazy move and the camera is not on you, you're out of position for it. Cause it's like, okay, why did I just take that massive bump? No one's gonna see it. Hmm. What does it take as a professional wrestler to become a world champion in terms of, I'm actually asking Adam this. Um, you know, I, I know this is a very long question that I've asked you, as in the answer might be a little long, but I'd just love to hear it from your perspective. For being a champion in WWE, it's so, like I said, what I talk about, the wrestling is honestly like the smallest part of what we do. Being a champion in WWE is the greatest prestige that you can have because that means the company, you're, you're representing the company, you're carrying the company. 
to being able to sit down and have these interviews, going around doing your media stuff, not, yeah, not sleeping and going straight into business meetings, going and meeting sponsors, going and doing podcasts, doing interviews, children's hospitals, everything that comes along with it, and then still going out there and being able to perform and engage and get the emotions out of the fans, make them believe and feel and all this stuff. There's so many moving parts that it takes to be that champion. That, the biggest challenge is doing all of this together and then balancing out yeah like just whoever you are on the inside as well yep staying right? true that, that that's why i tell that try it's it, and it's hard in a, in a world like this you get caught up in the shuffle and stuff like that but if you can stay true to yourself and what you believe in man it's it's it really truly is amazing what you can you can accomplish in life yeah as i said earlier you're a really blessed guy that's absolutely what's come through on this episode as well man bron stroman uh thank you for being on the ranveer show this was my first uh, wrestling based podcast So lots of fun. Yes, sir. Um, it was an honor. Yeah, I don't care really, you know, about us recording the episode. It was just getting. It was great getting to know you as a guy. <laughs> uh, you're too pure on the inside, man. Like the inner child's alive, and uh, you know, I hope that God and the universe just brings you more joy. Thank you. Of course, you. the success will come. Thank you, sir. But I hope that you lead yourself into a big world full of joy. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. That was the episode for today, ladies and gentlemen. This was so much fun. These kind of conversations do not feel like work at all. These are the kind of conversations I would have had with a WWE wrestler if I met them at a party. This is the best job in the world. These are all my own fan questions. Please tell me what you thought of today's episode. I'd love to know in the comment section. I'm a hundred percent sure that we're going to be speaking to a lot more WWE superstars in the future. So tell me who you'd like to see featured on TRS. absolutely love wrestling conversations i consume a lot of wrestling based podcasts so this is one of the most fun aspects of my career and i'm sure it came through if you've listened to the entire length of the podcast special thanks to the sony sports network for making this happen big thank you to bron stroman what i want to say about him is that just like ronnie coleman his innocence stayed with me through the episode you'd assume that he's the monster amongst men he's taken part in the world's strongest man competitions you probably think he's an intimidating guy but it's just his persona that's intimidating if you are in him if you're in the same room as him you feel like it's a brother you feel like it's a gentle soul that's with you and that's what's beautiful about him no matter how big and intimidating he looks he's a child on the inside and it really rubs off on you i'm sure you guys felt it through the journey of this podcast as well We'll be back very soon with more special WWE themed episodes of TRS. Mm-hmm.